0: Hey, guys. Hey! Hey. Welcome to another episode of Books and Booze on Opinionated Lushes, where we bring on indie authors. We talk about their current works, and we just let them
2: read a little bit, and we talk it to them. I'm going to pass it to Dawn to introduce this week's author. Hey, everyone. Um, I want everyone to welcome E.L. Grosvenor and – or call him Emery – to books and booze and joining us tonight. Uh, so please tell us a bit about yourself. You know, uh, where are you from? Um, how how you, you start? started writing? <laughs> you yes, like, uh, you know, how long have you been an author? You know, your birthday, social security number, you know, just give us it all.
3: All the important stuff. <laughs>
2: yeah, okay,
1: yeah, okay. all okay. your <laughs> info.
3: Uh, well, for start off for the first one, I'm from Midwest, Nebraska. In the tri state area. So travel a lot. Family came up from Kansas, just kind of stayed and stopped bouncing around after that. So
0: nice. Nice. We're Canadian. So I don't know where Nebraska is.
3: Go <laughs> <Now, laughs> <well, laughs> halfway to Mexico and you'll be in the general vicinity. Just wait to <laughs> hit pure flat nothingness.
2: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> sounds great. That sounds like somewhere I want to go. <laughs> just go to Manitoba. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> Go to the prairies, like Saskatchewan, right there. And then that'd be our Nebraska.
1: <laughs> yeah, Saskatchewan is our Nebraska. Yeah, that's like how Alberta is our Texas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's on their like province sign. It's oh like, my gosh,
0: that'd be amazing.
1: Yeah, that's what we're gonna now do. Sonia, write it
2: down for a t-shirt. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so well. All right, do you want to tell us about your book?
3: Um, yeah, I wrote this book, The Toronto Assignment, as a secondary process after I started writing my first novel, Depths to Come. Depths kind of got stuck on the back burner and held because of just the money involved with trying to do edits and the work and the time. It's
2: mm-hmm.
3: it's not a not a cheap chore. So no. we kind of, my co-author on that and I kind of decided we'll put it on the burner until we can figure something out. And one of the things I hit on was, well, I can work on something else and maybe help drum some interest up in advance. And that's when I hit on the idea of writing this novella, The Tronus Assignment, as kind of a way to introduce the the universe and the characters a little bit beforehand in a small way. Okay. Kind of set the stage.
2: So this novella, it's like a prequel? Yeah. Okay. It doesn't,
3: it doesn't really hammer directly into the depth plot, it just carries the same characters and maybe a very minor subplot that explains why things happen.
2: Okay, yeah, so world building, just a little, yeah, like, Just background. a little bit of world
3: building. Yeah. And something high-paced and fun.
2: Well, no, that's cool, because
0: we, we hear a lot, like, from the authors that have been on here that world building is one of, like, the hardest parts of writing. It's not even, like, the writing, like, the word. It's the, like, building those worlds that those characters live in yeah so yeah it's cool to I hear can... that you're like writing on like writing through that you know
3: yeah just kind of getting the jump start on that just the research and study on this has been a process anyway and i already know after doing this i'm gonna have to go back and fix some things in the other uh, <laughs> project because it's like ah oh okay so that's the science behind that huh whoops <laughs> well
1: it's fun <laughs> to learn <laughs> yeah, learning's <laughs> fun you're
3: True, and world building i mean i I'm a DM. I played D and D since 2000. Oh,
2: there oh, you me. go. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, I I learned ways to do it, and just doing it in literature is still a little bit different. At least, wise it has been for me. I'm not. Other people might have an easier time with it. For me, it's still how much. So far, play?
0: what we've heard is everyone struggles with world building. That's yeah. like the where people struggle. Yeah. yeah.
2: I I don't think I could ever write fantasy or sci-fi just because like that world building would just drive me nuts. And then I'd have to remember all those facts. And like if I made up a planet, I'd have to remember that name and how I spelt it. And like how many suns did I put on my planet? Like I just I wouldn't know.
3: (laughs) I I had an advantage there. Um, The co-author that worked in Deaths to Come with me. Loved the like creating a planet and a society and all that, and had all these little note boxes to fill in. So I'm out of town in the hotel on the on speakerphone with her walking around the room as we create one of the races that we present the story.
1: That was nice. that was a couple
3: of nights easy way to pass the time.
1: Yeah, that
2: was really cool. <laughs> I think that's how like the best novels would be made, just like you know, in a hotel with a ball of like rum and just like. There you go That's one of Jay, the best you
0: anything's made is yeah. like like how many how many Stephen King books have we heard where he just did like way too many drugs in a cabin for a weekend <laughs> you know
1: and he came out
0: with
2: art so sometimes yeah. that happens
3: yeah, everybody has everybody has their process
2: <laughs> well, exactly, the rock stars have exactly. Done it too right like they just got really drunk really high in their hotel room with their band and like produced an album
3: yep if it works for you, I mean Yeah, whatever, whatever I, I
1: need to do. <laughs> exactly. My process
3: usually involves like a panel worth of little post-it notes, and this idea goes here and that idea goes over here. Where did I put this note? <laughs> Just <Yeah>. getting lost.
2: <laughs> so you want to tell us our drink words?
3: Um, let's see. I would say in this particular case with the section I'm gonna read, I would go with either rifle, helmet, or hole.
2: Rifle, helmet, and home? Holt. 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 All right, whenever you're ready, you can read, and I will drink. Um, We will. We will. It's a group activity, Dawn. (laughs) I don't care about you. I care about my drink.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I guess to kind of set the stage here, one of the the principal POV character in this is a journalist that's traveling with this team. Okay. Okay. He's kind of in the mix of things, trying to do some good PR and get a good story that he wants. And everything at this particular point just went sideways. Okay. (laughs) John was looking at Andrews since the last message from second squad confused and concerned him. He knew things were bad, but he wanted to know exactly what that call had meant. The effect it had on the team was concerning them as well. He looked at the faces and saw grim, almost angry expressions. Holt stepped over and motioned him motioned to his helmet. John eyed the communications icon, so it activated and tied him into their network. All right, Newsy, we've got an issue. John nodded. I suspected that with the way you shoved me off of the comm line. He motioned to the others and their looks. Holt shrugged, and he saw that the look she had when he was getting it on his, getting the helmet on. Excuse me, I'm sorry. The situation has changed. Everyone is now a potential hostile. Trojan horse, the sign used when the enemy is changing the terms. In this case, they're using the sieves as a weapon. Christ, what happened? Holt only shrugged. Not sure, but it looks like they sent a hostage out to Keith with a bomb. John swallowed hard, his throat suddenly dry. So what do we do now? Andrews answered immediately. We do nothing. I'm taking your ass back to the command post. John started to argue, but Holt held up her hand. That's not going to happen either. I can't send you two back alone. Who knows what sort of shit they have laying around in the corridor. Keith has already reported they're getting organized. We've lost the initiative. This is now a slog. You two are staying with first. Andrews nodded and shot John a look that felt heated. John supposed it was due to the fact that it meant more babysitting did he. He looked to Holt, who was offering over a drone, not unlike the one he had sent to watch Second Squad. You're on the drone. If we all get out of this, maybe I'll let you keep the footage. John mildly suspected it had more to do with giving him something to do than anything else. An idle hand was a detriment. That much he had learned. With him on the drone, they all could focus on being in the fight, so he nodded. At the same moment, John felt himself shoved down, Andrew's hand firmly in place on his shoulder as he bounced off the frame of the workstation. He heard the various weapons start going off, the crack of the ballistic guns, the high-pitched flip of the lasers, the telltale whooshing sounds of plasma. Then he felt the bone-rattling feeling of the coil gun. Every time he tried to move, Andrew's hand would force him closer to the floor. John felt like he was going to get pushed through it at this rate. The station floor shook as rounds from other weapons and an, or another hit. His heart pounded in his ears, then he felt the pressure release from his shoulder, only to have it replaced with the full weight of a person. John looked up as best he could. Andrews was physically fighting with someone. He thought to help, but wasn't sure where Andrews ended and the attacker started. The answer came quickly as the combatants rolled off of him. He took in a deep breath and then saw the attacker was trying to reach for a pistol. John lunged and got his hands on it as the attacker did. They struggled for a moment over the pistol, then John saw a flash out of the corner of his eye. He looked, instantly regretting it as Andrews drove a knife into the face of the attacker. His stomach tightened and turned as the pirate's hand went limp and the body jerked as Andrews pulled back the knife. Andrews stood and fired his gun. John's eyes were locked on the other person he'd just watched die in front of him. You've seen dead bodies before, John, he told himself in a quivering voice. He idly remembered it, reminded himself that he had intended he had yet to see a life ended directly to be face-to-face with the person as things simply stopped. He felt his stomach flop again and an acid bile burning way up his throat. The visor and his suit opened immediately, allowing him to puke out onto the floor. Nothing came out, though, just the burn of acid. An eerie calm settled over the area. None of the soldiers called to each other. They just sat silent and waiting. Risking it, John moved his head up and looked around the room. Holt and Eversley were eyeing the corridor where Kelly had fired down. He was on the left, and they were on the right. Another glance around showed Harrison and Andrews, watching the hallway they had come down before the space. When his eyes found Holt again, she was motioning to her helmet. John tapped the side of his helmet, and on his HUD came the communications option. He looked for the one marked for the squad. There were a few beeps, and then a click as the encryption system linked up. Soon enough, he heard her voice over the headset. Newsy, are you up yet? He nodded and gave her a thumbs up. He still didn't trust his voice to be stable. Though he knew better, he hoped none of them would take note. In all truth, they wouldn't care, but he still had some ego. Toughness was still a thing. Well, looks like you're up enough. Her tone was somewhere akin to the same as the joke about him asking Silverling for drinks. It was likely she was smiling despite the firefight. He gave her his best annoyed look. I'm fine. Hey, he managed not to puke, good. Send your camera down the hall and check the room beyond. He blinked and then his eyes found the drone controls on the HUD. A glance at the guidance and he gave it a few waypoints and activated it. He gave Holt a thumbs up just as the feed came on to be shared. Watching the feed, he wasn't sure about the vomit issue. Grenades had made a considerable mess of the pirates in the next area. Limbs were torn off and the bodies perforated by shrapnel. He could see the larger space did little to offer protection from the swarmers and fragmentation grenades. John saw that the various tables and stacks of crates had been placed to offer cover for a fight only to be no match for Gamma's assault. They all laid in random states of destruction. Tables were practically shattered and crates having large holes in them. Some of the metal was scorched by flame from a blast. Fuck. He wasn't sure he had said it, but he echoed the sentiment. As he was about to close it out, a door slid open on the far side of the room. He spun the camera to see a woman in fatigues, with a belt, no armor, and very pregnant, stepping out. She was holding a plasma rifle, but not up and ready, more drooping and resigned. As she stepped out, she dropped it to the floor with a clatter and spoke. They're all dead now, she called out in a hoarse, unsteady voice. Holt switched over the PA on her suit and spoke in a calm, soothing tone. This is Petty Officer First Class Sasha Holt of the United Nations Space Corps. What's your name, Miss? John blinked and looked over towards the squad leader. It's seldom heard that sort of care in her tone. He felt, he felt it would find it soothing, except for the nasty amount of gore in the room. Well, he had to admit that was unfair. She was often that way with the other members of the team. Leanna, the woman answered, her voice soft and distant. Okay, Leanna. Who are you talking about? The hostages? There never were any. What? man's voice came back as a shriek. It was a trap. They set this up so we could show that we were ready. The other operators looked at each other. John felt his own heart rate jump up. Every nook and cranny of the space station was now suspect. How many other awful surprises were there in this place? And who were they? John stood up more and looked around. He adjusted the camera on the drone so he was watching Leanna as she spoke, zooming in so she was the dominant part of the picture. Though he thought he should be looking at the rest of the room, the journalist in him wanted the image of the woman confessing the horrible truth of the situation. Holt got on the comms as quick as she could. 1-1 to Overwatch. We have a problem. The commander's voice came back. What sort of problem? Holt relayed the recent development, the room full of dead pirates, and the sudden appearance of a woman named Leanna. Even her announcement. That seemed to be the most troubling of the entire situation. If the people they came to say weren't here, then what were they supposed to do? Who had had they seen? John's head spun as he watched it all. The silence on the other end of the line was frustrating. John Pace, looking at the room and the bodies from the fighting, he knelt down and looked at a patch on one of the uniforms. He didn't recognize it at all, so he tapped Andrews' leg. What's this? Andrews' voice was tense. What, Newsy? John ignored it. This patch, is this military? Andrews was leaning against him as he looked at the patch in question. Holy shit. Holt. John briefly wondered if the expression on her face was the last thing people saw when a large predator rushed them. Cold and angry and compassionless, she moved away from Eversley and came over. John had to fight the urge to shriek. He knew she wasn't going to hurt him, but the sheer presence at that moment was intimidating gods. Her voice was flat and almost a mix of annoyance and anger. John felt it was safe to press the question. What is it? He asked again, amazed his voice was steady. That's a Sheslin Special Forces patch, she answered. John blinked. Sheslin? As in the Prides of Thyla? Those Sheslin? Yes, Newsy. The ones who tried to bomb Earth forty-some years ago, Andrews snapped. Holt shot him a look and then turned uh, turned to John. Newsy, I know that you are already doing... this sort of it, but I need you to document all of the stuff here, not like a journalist, but evidence collection, all right? John nodded and set his helmet's camera to snap photos. He and Andrews moved amid the bodies as Andrews pulled out any paperwork John photographed it. They worked their way around the room as Holt added to her report to the commander. This time, John smiled. She hadn't shoved him out of the comm channel. As usual, the camera commander's voice was absent of emotion, the constant professional. He knew what to tell and where to look. We ran the facial recognition software over the girl. She was one of the people from the transport. And if what she is saying is true that we have a very serious problem, we need intel. Holt nodded though she couldn't, knew he couldn't see it. Copy, we're gathering what we can from the bodies here. Secure her and get out of here. Sweep the next area and double check. The machine room should be just on the left side of that area. Might be that they are just keeping the ones who didn't want to play along there. Once done, bring the woman and anyone else back here. Second is getting pressed hard. Clock's ticking. Motion sent the team to work as now more attention went to watching the rear for an ambush. John watched and then changed his camera back to record. He felt comfortable in his job and elected to stay in that mindset, documenting the team doing their work. John looked back at the hall at the same time Holton Eversley did. All eyes went to Leanna, who was standing there crying. Leanna, it's Sasha. I need you to do something for me. I need you to raise your hands and step towards my voice. Leanna nodded and walked forward. She was looking their way, but her expression was distant. John got the impression she was not seeing any of the area she was in. She sniffled and whimpered as she walked, and when Holt told her to stop where she was, her eyes widened in fear. You need to take a deep breath and relax. "'Leanna, I'm not going to hurt you. Neither is my friend. "'We need to be careful, though. "'I want you to lift your shirt about halfway up "'and turn around in a circle.' "'Eversley was watching down the scope of his rifle. "'The poor girl's hands were a blur. "'The sniffling and whimpering continued "'as she raised her shirt and turned "'as Everly watched for any weapon or explosive. "'As she finished her shirt, circle, "'he glanced at Holt and shook his head. "'Holt nodded. "'All right, Leanna.' I know it's going to be hard, but I need you to put your hands on top of your head and walk backwards down this hall. Her voice shook as as she replied, what if I fall? It's, it's, I know. Just look up and walk backwards. My friend will move up and put his hand on your back, okay? Leanna looked at the corridor and retched. She cried again and repeated she was sorry and became unsteady on her feet. Still, she managed to do as told, shuffling backwards as she looked at the ceiling. John watched through the drone camera. When he tried to look around the corner, Eversley leaned against his leg and told him to back up. John glanced down, but Eversley Eversley was still looking down his rifle. He explained, Dude, I know you're just looking to know. If there's an ambush, it'll happen when we are in that hall. Just wait till I get her back far enough to be out in front of any firing line. John nodded. He had no desire to get shot. Just as he was about to speak, Eversley motioned and moved up the hall towards Leanna, grabbed the center of her shirt, Okay, I have you. We're going to walk back. Once she was hustled out of the hallway, he moved to the side and had her face the wall. John didn't step close, but he moved to see what was happening. As an afterthought, but as gentle as possible, search for for weapons. Eversley nodded to Holt, giving a thumbs up and stepping back. John was sure he had heard Eversley let out a breath he'd been holding the entire time. Holt moved over and spoke. Leanna, take a deep breath. Now I need to know what you meant by no hostages. She didn't answer at first. John kept his camera back behind Holt, but zoomed in so he could document the scene. The woman's face was streaked with still falling tears and the red in her eyes, leaving almost no white at this point. There never were any, everyone on the ship with me was brought here to train and fight. Anyone who didn't join them, they, they used as targets. If that is the case, why are you surrendering? Holt kept her voice gentle as she prodded the woman. I'm pregnant, she answered. I came with my boyfriend. After it started, I couldn't do it anymore. I wasn't in the training, but I watched. I watched what they were turning us into. Who's they? Leanna turned and looked at her with a tormented expression, shaking her head against the wall. She stayed silent. Okay, you are coming with us, Holt said. Leanna started crying again, but she did not resist. John watched Eversley tie her hands with quick strips. Then the clicking sound, the only noise in the room. He looked back over to Holt, who started to speak. All right, Andrews, McKellie, Hughes, Harrison, you four are on rear guard now. Make sure no one sneaks up on us. Eversley, you, Newsy, and I will check the object—the objective room. We get lucky, and we can get some of these people out of here. John blinked, but before he could ask or protest, Holt and Eversley ducked into the hall Leanna had just come from. He scrambled to keep up, sending his drone to follow with him. The room beyond the hall looked just as bad in person as it did via the drone, and he stopped cold. His eyes went to the bodies on the floor. He was no longer distanced by the camera feed. Here they were in full color and viscera. He had to put his hand on the wall and felt his forehead spin from the copper smell. Searching for something to focus on, he found Holt and Eversley's boot prints through the mess. It didn't help. Hey, Newsy, eyes up here, man. Holt's voice came in like a crack of the rifles. John looked up and gasped a few times, getting his breathing under control. He looked at her and nodded, moving forward to her as steadily as he could. He was concerned about slipping. How did Leanna get through this so easily? He managed to get the rest of the way out of the hall and looked back and forth. Holt nervously were moving towards a heavy side door. He used the drone drone controls to angle it towards the door. Holt gave him a thumbs up, and for some reason, he instantly felt better. There's an air handler, Newsy. Send it through that, Holt just said quietly. John sent the drone up into the air handler access. The vent wasn't overly large, but the drone was small enough to move easily past the bars. With the camera, he could see the vent extending into the darkness. He moved it forward, and after a few feet, noticed a second vent going to the sealed room. Holt, I see them. The computer has positive IDs on 15 people. He said, then winced at how loud he spoke, then mouthed sorry in the direction of two angry faces. Holt motioned him to the side of the room, and then she inevitably moved to open the door. John moved the drone into the position to see the room better. He kept looking at the people laying on the ground or leaning against the wall. They looked as bad as the others, abused and scared. He couldn't focus on that now, so he streamed the video to Holt and Eversley's helmets knowing they would watch for another Trojan horse. I can't see any of the pirates, he said quietly. Holt looked back back at him and nodded. All right, Newsy, give me a line to the drone speaker. John nodded and set it up. You're on the air. Attention, everyone. This is Petty Officer Holt of the UNSC Gamma Squadron. We are here to rescue those who have been taken against their will. Everyone in this room is to get on the floor face down and cover their heads with their hands. Anyone who doesn't will be considered a threat. Comply when we'll start moving you out of here. John held his breath as he watched the room. The people were looking around at one another and at the door. Some jumped to run to the door only to be yanked down by another person. Soon, everyone was lying down. He panned the camera back and forth and then looked back to Holt. She was already moving with Eversley and some device he had seen earlier on the door. He was unsurprised when the door slid open with Holt and Eversley slipping in. Still holding his breath, he listened to their voices, his heart pounding in his ears. This was how it felt during his first firefight. Why was he so scared now? Holt's voice broke his mental battle, even bringing his heart rate back to normal in a flash. The journalist's mindset coming forward to document the chaos. So that's what he did. No one move, Holt said as she entered the room. John saw her weapon panning back and forth over the people. Eversley stayed at the door, doing the same thing with his weapon. Paul started to give directives to the crowd. Listen carefully. I'm going to search you one at a time, and then you will go out the door and stand in front of my teammate out here with the camera. John blinked. What did she say? He looked around at Eversley, who gave him a thumbs up. The feeling of cold exhilaration filled his core. Then the rest of her words followed. He'll be running your faces through the identification system. Once you are verified, you will sit along the wall until everyone is out. John searched for a wall in the room that wasn't perforated by bullets or lasers. He saw Andrew step in the room and nod to him. Got your six, man. John didn't have time to revel in the feeling as the first hostage came out. She was beaten and terrified. Her hair was matted to the side of her face with dried blood from either herself or one of her friends. He blinked, then heard Eversley in his calm. Newsy, darken your visor. Put the camera on them and run the program. Ask him the basics. Name, ID Number. Where they lived. Compare it and then tell them to move them to the wall. John gave the man a thumbs up and did as directed. The program ran, picking out her features and bringing up her file. He kept her ID number on the screen, knowing he'd never remember all those numbers and letters. John asked, what's your name, ma'am? In his best impression of the calm voice he saw the others use so often. Elizabeth. Elizabeth Russell, she says shakily. John nodded. Where did you live? 220 Orbital Lane. All right. Go to sit down in the corner of the two walls, John said as he pointed. Elizabeth did as he said, and as he turned, the next person came out. He again asked the questions to verify their ID and did so over and over as each person came out. It felt like an eternity, but finally the last one sat down. He felt the heavy thump of Holt's hand on his shoulder. Good work, Newsy. Well, let's get the hell out of here, huh? He nodded and suddenly felt tired. The constant up and down was wearing him out. There, were more, there was more to do, though, and he still had to get out. He moved the drone, scanning the people's faces and getting shots of the team organizing the escape. If he focused on his work, he could ignore the soreness in his body. Holt looked at everyone else in the squad. All right, settle up. We roll out of here and we kill anyone between us and the commander. Got me? Everyone nodded, and the process process to move out of the room started. Leanna was placed in a cord restraint behind Eversley and in front of Holt. The hostages were all given directives on what to do. And once everyone was ready, Eversley led him out, moving back to the command post at a double quick march. Rifles were up, aimed at every potential area an enemy could come from. Holt got on the radio. First squad to all elements. Romeo, I say again, Romeo. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes.
2: Bombas,
0: big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty
1: percent off your first purchase.
3: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection.
0: That was good. There was a lot of, like, character development in that. Compared to, like, a lot of the other, like, I feel like a lot of the other just authors that come on and, like, read a chapter, it's, like, usually, like, right into the bit. But, like, yours allowed for a lot of, like, character development, if that makes sense. You know, like, considering I haven't read the book, it's, like, now I automatically am, like, listening. I'm, like, oh, that's what their motives are. I got it. Cool,
1: you know. There's like, yeah. There's like a scene, and like, I like it. I was, uh, it was more (laughs) my vibe than the other books. They're great. The other one, no, the other books are great. We're not dissing. (laughs) Yeah, like that's what I'm
2: saying.
1: You know, we're not
0: dissing. It's just we're appreciating for what's here in front of us.
2: Yeah. man but using Halt was a drink word I finished oh my, my drink gosh, and- I, I know, know it was <laughs> a drink word we like I was like oh it's Halt it's Halt we got
0: drink if I know, you want to us- drink
2: and then I start belching and I was like okay I gotta mute the mic
0: and- <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was my issue as well I burp a lot um I got a question like what what chose the genre you chose to write i'm always curious because like you know there's so many genres so it's like what chose you to decide like especially because we were talking earlier about the struggles with world building you know it's a struggle so like why did you choose this sort of um specific genre to write in
3: um and all fairness, that one is kind of weird that something i asked myself a lot because i mean i grew up Watching the fantasy shows, Conan the Barbarian. I watched a lot mm-hmm. of westerns. I grew up on <laughs> the, watching the, the Duke, and it's like, how did I, I, how did I go from that to like wanting to write something like this? And I think it just kind of spilled off of. I've enjoyed sci-fi immensely. Uh, mm-hmm. Star Wars, Star Trek were again some of my biggest things, and it just seemed like something fun. It's a story that constantly rolled in my head. Is like, I want to write this type of story. Well, I guess it's going to be science fiction. And then I started learning just kind of how broke up the sci-fi genre actually was, and it's like I didn't stop to think about this. I really—you <laughs> put it in this category and you have fun with it. I mean, even with some of the stuff I've read or listened to, it's like no, this—I I never broke it into a subcategory, other than just this is something fun.
0: It's—is there done. a category or genre you'd want to explore that you haven't yet, like besides science fiction?
3: Um. Well, I'm already working on a fantasy, but one I have kicked around, and that's kind of due to some recent events that have happened in our town, was YA.
1: Oh, okay.
3: Some of, some of the stuff my daughter was involved in, I thought would be kind of good, inspirational stuff for people, for kids that are. Yeah. I was yeah. Like, yeah. That would be something fun to write. Just yeah,
0: you should. Have positive, That'd be interesting. Positive impact
3: somewhere on something like that.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. if you write that YA novel, you're welcome to come back and talk about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just your next novel, you'll just come back. It's just. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
3: That's uh, it's, that one's kind of got a race at the moment. I've got. See, writing this caused kind of a chain reaction where the people that have read it so far are like, well, we want to know the rest of the story. I'm like, well, this is what's going to happen next, but I should probably draw the line <laughs> completely there. And even
2: fill in what the blanks of there. in between what's going to happen.
3: Yeah. So I've got two other short stories, short novellas, kind of like this one, that are set and tied into the plot that's going on here.
1: Where can we this, find this
3: one? <laughs> uh, this this you can find on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Smashwords, Kobo, either as an ebook or as a paperback
2: nice nice what inspired you to write
3: i grew up enjoying writing little stories for like creative writing class and everything else okay but ultimately what really got me writing more than just little little short snippets was um i was in a online game and i was writing some of the stories just as like filler stuff for the different people in our guild and one of them asked me, he goes, have you ever actually like written more than just this? Cause this little stuff that you do is, is fun. You should, you should look at doing something bigger. And I mean, I had considered it. I just was foundering because I had no idea what to do. We would play a and D session. I had read Dragonlance, figured out the story behind that and went, Oh, I want to do that. <laughs> and that was, that was a train wreck. Just to put it mildly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but I th- I think it's great because, like, a lot of the authors we interview, like, we interview, a lot of the, it was like, well, someone told me to start writing, and so I just kind of started writing, you know, I'm like, sorry, a lot I'm of, like, leaders. <laughs> that's literally what it is, it's like, none of them were like, oh, well, I wanted to write, it was a lot of, like, well I was already writing for something yeah. else, whether it was a game or just a play something in school yeah yeah yeah, that's exactly what it is and then they were just like oh well just people told me to keep writing and so i did and then voila you got a book (laughs) and that's an accomplishment because damn i keep i got don did you write today
2: no not today yes well there you
0: go see how hard it is to finish a book (laughs) we talk about this a lot like don is supposed to be our book talk book uh Arthur author, you know, and she doesn't she didn't finish one book. So good yeah, for you. Okay.
2: It, it's a work in progress.
0: Yeah, it's always a work in progress. I wrote today. Oh. I wrote today. Oh well, you just called out. Yeah. Oh no, I call it's fine. I call her out all the time It's oh, part oh, of our all joke. The time. It's
1: not a joke. episode.
0: Like wink. You know, we're being funny. A wink. You know. <laughs> No, no, she's not being funny. She's on my ass.
3: Periodically, (laughs) the same way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any? Do you have any like um, tips, tricks? You know, like helpful um, advice? Yeah, helpful advice to like new indie authors.
3: Um, I would definitely say take the time to study how the process goes. I found that the most intimidating thing, but I found a couple of good resources. and follow through and listen to them repeatedly kind of got my foot footing, got my bearings, moved my way forward. I'm still going to admit, I'm learning big with it, but don't get intimidated by everybody's giving these big bullet points of advice that they seem to think you should already know. Yeah. Ask those questions, find a resource to, that'll guide you through it and ignore kind of the, the side, babble that goes on well you should already know this <laughs> i don't so <laughs>
0: and everyone's got to uh,
2: start somewhere right so yeah. to assume that someone knows something already is just ignorant mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah, like, yeah
0: that's 100
2: percent. yeah um how long does it usually take you to write a book
3: uh kind of varies depths to come took me about a year to write but that was that's also working full-time yeah, writing is literally a when I have a free moment. Working anywhere from eight to twelve to sixteen hour shifts versus three kids in the home who all <laughs> have different things going on. Writing's kind of uh, I got a few minutes. I'll work.
2: Yeah, if something. I got time, I'll get to it. Like
3: yeah, mm-hmm. it's <laughs> no, that's fair.
2: The-
0: like I'm actually <laughs> curious. Like how do you schedule your time in the home? Because like all, all of us have kids. Mm -hmm. so like that's that's actually like something we haven't seen with every author we've already interviewed was like how do you incorporate like especially because it's a creative field you don't know if you're going to make money right away you know Mm -hmm. like that kind of ideal like you want to be able to do what you can do but you also need to provide for your family you know so like that kind of like I don't know how to explain it but that kind of like purposeful um what you what you want to do versus what you need to do mm-hmm. um kind of workshop when you have especially when you have dependents like how do you fit that into your time
3: um a lot of it is I will take advantage like if I'm driving someplace I can kind of run ideas in my head kind of get an idea for when I do get a minute to type I'm not
1: that's true
3: creating as i go it's like okay i've got a roadmap i'm a pantser i'm i'm horrible at it oh you're a pantser
0: okay i just learned that term that's so (laughs) nice okay no no because i learned pantsers and planners they're different Mm. you know I, i didn't know that i didn't know that i didn't know that was a term i'm again not in the writing community this is new for me so now i know what you are huh (laughs) pantser <laughs> okay but good talk to me about your pantsing go
3: <laughs> Well then. um usually what i do is i'll brainstorm an idea as i've got a free free bit of time i'll kind of run it in my head a couple of times come up with what it might look like and then when i get the free minute i'll type it down um another thing i do when i actually get like a full solo block of time to write is I put depending on what I'm writing like in the case of Tronus assignment, I threw up a couple of just action films up on the side and just let them play so that it just kind of created that ambience in my head as I was writing and that helped fill it fill it in and let me live in that moment as I was writing it I guess because I kind of put myself into the into the idea what would this look like from this person's perspective if I was sitting there, what would this look like and just kind of let it start building and just, go and i don't i don't set a word amount for each section i just get it till it's there or i can tighten it up after i go back and edit and cuss at it a few <laughs> times and ask myself what i was thinking <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, like I think the hardest thing for me is like the um, word count, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm so worried I'm either under or I'm going to go over. Like, crazy. Like over. You haven't even written a <laughs> book yet. I, was,
0: dude. I just,
3: just okay. would shoot and go. The story's going to take as long as it takes to write.
0: That's what I say. That's what I said. Okay. I'm I know like, that's like dude. a weird
1: thing to focus on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's like just, write it. I, just,
0: I just write it. If you're really done, you're things. done. If you're done, you
1: If you're done and
0: it's like 100 words. Well, good luck, good, like, great, great. If you're done and it's like a hundred thousand words, also great. You know, (laughs) at least you finished.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
3: And that was, that was something I had to be very cognizant of when I started writing depths to come. And even when I started working on this as a project, just myself, it's not about the, it's not about the word count at the end. It's just getting there. And I even had that problem when I started this because I looked at, okay, I want it to be about this long. and, And I, gave myself a hard pin number on words and the more I worked on it, the more that the less important that became and more just trying to work and focus on getting each section wrote, however long it took. Eventually that word total just kind of disappeared. Yeah. (laughs) Especially After talking to uh, the dev editor, that was another thing. I was a big blessing to me was talking to that lady and what she helped me fix in the book. And also, just the advice she gave me. She said, "Okay, novellas are typically here to here. Don't focus on that. Just put yours down, get it, get it where it's at, and we'll we'll find it from there."
0: You hear that, Don? Yes, I heard that. (laughs) I'm just making sure because it's like similar advice. Well, like I told you, I'm just saying. I just said, finish the work. We can edit it later. You know what I'm saying? Like just
2: finish. What's the old saying?
3: Write drunk, edit sober.
2: Oh my god! Yeah, I will oh god. edit. I, it. I should be writing now. Then <laughs> I know that you picked
1: amazing drink words. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good yeah, for
2: you
0: for being so skilled, El Grover. You really knew how to make sure your audience was highly prepared for your works. So nice <laughs> highly
2: hydrated, what? highly <laughs>
1: hydrated. Yes, you yeah. know, booze, booze, and books. You got the booze part. You knew.
2: Yeah, we're yeah like, on the books you under
1: you un- yeah, yeah, you understood the assignment. Exactly. <laughs> Not everyone does. So we
0: tend to tend to appreciate. Yes.
2: Okay. I can't think of another question. Uh Sonia, do you have any questions?
1: Uh no, I already
2: asked my question. Okay, right. I I, so, always questions. Yeah. I always have questions. I always have questions. Yeah. yeah, no, that's
0: that's my issue. But we don't we're not talking about me. We're talking about you, E.L. Grover. So sorry <laughs> to put you on the spot. But um yeah. okay, you already said you're a pantser. Um when it comes to writing, was there a reason you chose like a specific genre over other genres? Like, because like being creative and stuff like I personally read a lot of horror so that's why I'm asking like is there a reason you specifically picked your genre or is that just like an introduction and maybe you'll branch off
3: um I do plan to branch off but what it, it still is something that kind of strange to me that sci-fi became something I doubled into so hard and for whatever reason and I mean I'm I'm hoping you all enjoyed what I did read
0: yeah, um, yeah no, it good.
3: <laughs> but even with some of the reviews I get, people are giving this book good reviews, making good commentary about it. I'm like, you know, I really didn't figure this would be a place I would excel in. You know, I'm, I'm the, the kid that grew up with this and this. I should be writing fantasy or Westerns. Why did sci-fi seem to come so well? And it just, I think it appealed so much, because I li- i also like those sci-fi stories, and it just kind of appealed, and the stage and the pieces just clicked in together. I liked this essence, this um, team, Gamma Squadron, and this nove- novella.
0: So just all your creativity ended up at the right time? To create it seemed the, light, right- just the pieces
3: yeah. kind of clicked in together, and went, this is what you're doing, dude. don't worry about what you're trying to do this is what you're
1: doing
0: (laughs) no i think that's great because like i feel like i always say so um if you don't know me and my husband do music professionally we did that before the podcast so we all like personally i always talk about how great art is always built on the shoulders of giants you know like it's always built on ideas of others it's always built on um the the product of others and I just always like enjoy like hearing how like people come into their art and they talk about it and so like for you being our first like sci-fi author I was just like
1: curious I, I, love <laughs> I was curious I yeah. <laughs> like like you said like you you're like really into like fantasy and stuff but like sci-fi is just fantasy in space Sci-fi is just no sci-fi, no 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 no
0: sci-fi is just fantasy but real life.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: just fear, well, real life I mean, in the future. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like there. it's like it's like it's like no, this is real life, but like 20 years from now.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, this, this, um, sub-gen- subgenres of fix that sci-fi was talking about. Yeah.
1: Speculative
0: yes. fiction versus <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah. It's, it's like a debate that can last for hours, right? <laughs> uh, okay, maybe it's just the, the genre I the sci-fi genre I focus on, but like shit can be realistic and it's it's just it's interesting to focus like it's interesting that people like cr- people are so creative, you know what I mean? Like and I, I am just always interested to hear where that created it. Creativity comes from. And so, like, I appreciate you, Grover, EL Grover, for being on here, Emery Grover, for being on here, because, like, you are our first really fantasy author, I think, right? The sci fi. Like, yeah, the first one. Yeah. yeah. The, the, sci-fi, the first, yeah. like, sci fi yeah. author to, like, yeah. be on here. And, like, that's interesting to me, like, to really, like, hear what other people are, like, create. Like, it's world building. You, you, you thought of a world. Good for you.
2: Literally world building, like you, know, literal world You like,
0: you were like, hey, this is my world. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just like, and wow, I'm,
1: I'm interested. <laughs> Tell me more. You know,
0: like that's interesting to
3: me.
1: So, where can we find you? Like, what are your socials that yes, everyone socials. Can find
3: your, uh, socials? Where yeah. to find okay. you? Yeah. So, yeah, I put, sent you that link, and then of course I lost my. No That's, shoot, a, they're, that's they're fine. <laughs> I have a. Let's see. My Facebook page is Tales by E. L. Grover. Okay. You can find me at Emery Grover on Twitter. Instagram is again Tales by. Dot L. Dot Grover. It's it's meant to be a little weird like that, so it's kind of fun. <laughs>
0: It's kind of fun. It's purposely fun. It, we it, appreciate that. It, it makes it a little bit more. more. Yeah, you stand out, to be fair.
3: There's also my author website is uh, com. It's got, again, it's got all the links to my social media there as well. As well as my Instagram account is just tied to it. So there's posts on that. That's got my list of current projects, some different brainstorms I've got. It's also got a few very, very rough short stories on it. And they're kind of all over the place. One's very clearly sci-fi. Another one's kind of like a, a medieval fantasy, so to speak. High seas type thing.
0: So do you uh, release your individual like ideas on there? And then once a book's finished, release it everywhere else? Or like how is your release process?
3: No. Um, those are just little... Brainstorms and writing practice things. I put a little notice on there saying, Hey, I'm working on this story. Here's a short synapse about it. Maybe it's what the book blurb will end up being. And okay. I go from there. And then I, with this one, I've got it listed on the coming soon. Here's a link. You can buy it. It's got depths to gum below it saying, Hey, this has been delayed because of things happening.
0: Life. Great yeah life happens sometimes it just it just happens we're we're pretty experienced in the fact of
1: <laughs> life like, <yeah>. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and reading to be here. yeah so appreciated and uh hoped to have you back on for more of your works yeah so as important. you
0: release more and more books we're excited to have you more and more back on because like uh so don's the smut <laughs> uh but but me and don or me and sonia are more like interested in the sci-fi of it all so that's like ex like we are in- interested in that part so
3: yeah it's really uh, great I have, I have books that'll probably fit both ideas
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, <why>? yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah the cover all i'm working on one um, yeah. of the characters is a priestess to a goddess of death and sex. So there is
0: death, death <laughs> and sex. I'm excited for no, this one. The <laughs>
3: character's way of explaining it to somebody It's like, all this is is a death cult. We just lure people in with sex.
1: That, that can, sounds that like a real cult. <laughs> 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 it sounds like a
2: cult. To be the fair. second you said cult, I'm in. Like, where do I sign up? <laughs> I don't know if you know
0: this. We talk about making a cult
2: all the time.
0: You just <laughs> helped yeah. us with our reasoning.
2: <laughs> <there>. <laughs>
1: our, our, like, lure. Yeah, yeah we're really. like,
0: it's, it's a
2: cult of death. It's a book club and some joy. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. All Thank right. you, Thank Emery. Thank you so much Absolutely. for being on our show. And I
1: can't wait to see you again.
2: All right, cool. Looking forward to it. All right, thank you. Good night, everyone. Good night.
1: Night. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus,